So all of us here, at one point in time or another, have played with Play-Doh or clay, right? I, I, I mean, I'm actually sorry. Has anybody here ever not played with, like, Play-Doh or clay? Anybody? Anybody? Everybody has? Good, because you know I was going to call you up and say, here, touch it, so now you can say you have experience there, right? Some of you, maybe you're like, I'm glad I didn't raise my hand. I knew he was going to do something like that. You know, Play-Doh is something we all play with. If I can get it out of the little bucket. It's stuck. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. All right, that'll work. Didn't want to come out, but... You know, it's malleable, it's soft, it's pliable. You can get it, you can make it into a little ball... You can get it. You can make it into a square. You can get one of those cool machines that they sell, and you put the thing in there, and you squeeze it, and it comes out into different stuff. It's it's awesome. Smells pretty funky. It's got a distinct smell to it. You got to wash your hands after you use it. But one thing about Play-Doh is that it's not something that shapes itself. It is shaped by whoever is holding it in its hand. And I want to ask you something this morning. Who's shaping you? Who's shaping you this morning? See, because we all are clay in the hands of a potter. Isaiah chapter 64, Isaiah chapter 64 reads like this in verse 8, But now, O Lord... You are our father. We are the clay and you are potter. And all we are the work of your hand. One more time. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Scripture is filled with different examples referring to clay and pottery. As a matter of fact, when you think about the fact that we are formed, if you read in Genesis chapter 2, it says that God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. I mean, God got in there and he molded him. And then he breathed life into him. You and I are clay and God is the potter. So I ask you again the question, Who's molding you? Who's shaping you? Are you being molded by the Lord? Or are you getting away from him and refusing to be molded by him? See, every single one of us is being shaped. And that shaping can hurt. I mean, when you think about a potter who is going to work with clay, I mean, they get this clay out. And this clay is hard sometimes. I mean, they get it and they have to mash into it and they, they have to grind, not grind it, but like roll it over and push it down and push it down. They're trying to get out every single little air bubble out of the clay. Because if there's any air bubbles in the clay, when they begin to shape it, it can be ruined. And so they get it and they work on it. And that, if clay could talk, would probably look at the pot and be like, yo, slow. It hurts. I mean, have any of you ever gotten a massage? I don't like massages. I'm not a big fan of people touching me, period. But I don't like massages. But my wife, will, she'll, she'll sit next to me, and, and, and she'll come up, and you know we'll, we'll be on the couch or whatever, and all of a sudden she'll sit right next to me and say, can you massage my back here? 
And then I'll start, right? I'll go and I'm, and, and I'm like, you know, just softly like putting my hand, you know, doing the thing. She's like, ow, oh, that hurts. How hard are you pressing? And I'll go on her arm and I'm like, I'm just going like this. You know why it hurts? Because there's a knot, right? There's something that is painful, that is not the way it should be. So that little touch hurts. So imagine the clay that it's hard. It needs to be watered. It needs to be molded. It needs to be pressed down. It can hurt. And some of us today, perhaps we're like that clay in the hand of the potter in the beginning stages of it, where we're being pressed down to be able to be softened, to be able to be worked with, and it hurts. But you got to stay in the hand of the potter in order to be made into a beautiful vessel. To be made into a beautiful vessel. Isaiah chapter 49 says this. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9, 45, verse 9. Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms him, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say he has no hands? I love that little part there. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? And sometimes that's what we do to our God. The ultimate potter who's working with us and we're like, but God, I don't see what you're trying to do. I don't get it. I don't understand. And we want to get out of his hand thinking that we can do it better on our own. But you know what happens to this if it just stays there and it gets stopped being worked with? It hardens. It stiffens. It's no longer useful. And some of us at times, we've gotten out of the hands of the potter Because we want to do it on our own. So again, I ask you the question, who's molding you? Who's shaping you? What are you allowing to mold you and shape you? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who is it that you're listening to? You've heard me say countless times that God is always talking. God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? Because many times we miss out because we didn't listen to what God was saying. Look at Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter number 18. I thought I marked it in my Bible. I forgot. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number one, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute because we could have a whole entire preaching on that verse. Talking about the fact that if you want to hear what God has for you, you've got to go to the place that he tells you to go. Some of us are missing out on a word from God that he wants to share with you directly, not through a prophet, not to somebody else, not through anybody, because you're not going to the place that God told you to go. And you're resisting going to the place that he's telling you to go. So God tells Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. I've got a message for you. I've got something I want you to hear at the potter's house. So verse number three says that when I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel and the vessel that he made of clay was marred 
in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. One more time. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. You and I may have an idea, a thought process of what we want God to do. But it might not be what you are called to be. It might not be what you are called to do. And you know what happens? We spend too much time looking at the other pots that the potter has made and saying, oh, potter, make me like one of those. Make me like that guy. But the truth is that you're not a mass-produced product. You're a workmanship that's being handcrafted. If you go to Home Depot, you can buy little pots, big pots, and they all look exactly the same. Why? Because they're made in a mold. This big old factory makes this big machine, and they pour it all in, and they stick them in this giant oven, and out come these pots, which is why you buy it for pennies. I mean, we just bought some pots for something we were going to do for Alexander's birthday and, and, and whatever. And we went to a store. We bought them all for like 99 cents a piece. Why? Because they're made in mass production. But if you go to an actual store, pottery store, where things are handcrafted, where things are made individualized, where things are made that they don't look just like the other ones, you have to pay a premium. Why do you pay a premium? Because it's an artist that worked in it, and you are worth way more because of who is molding the clay. You are worth way more because you are being handcrafted by God, not being made like um, someone else. I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday as I was drinking a soup. How hard is it to drink soup with a fork? I mean, have you ever tried? I mean, when I'm eating an onion soup, sometimes I bring out a fork a little bit because I want to get the cheese and I savor the cheese or whatever, you know, and I kind of get it to be able to cut it a little bit or whatnot. But you can't drink the soup with it. I mean, you can do parts of it. You can pull out the bread. You can pull out, you know, the onions. You can do that stuff. But you ain't never getting the broth into your system until you pull out a fork. Guess what? Cutting a steak with a spoon. Man, that one's pretty hard too. Oh, it wasn't tender enough. Well, it wasn't made to be cut with a spoon. That's what the knife was for. So if we have specific utensils for specific things, why do we think that we need to be exactly like that other man of God or that other woman of God to be used by God? No, you need to be used in the way that the potter sees fit to make you, mold you, and use you. Because you're his handiwork. You know, uh, there is something that is a blessing. It has connected a lot of people. It's connected people from different parts of the world on real time. But it's also one of the worst inventions on the planet, and it's social media. I mean, when we were on vacation in Hawaii two years ago, there's a six-hour time difference. So you guys were here at church at 9 in the morning and at 11 a.m., and it was 3 in the morning over there and then 5 a.m., and guess what? I was up 
in the lobby of the hotel with my laptop watching Pastor Jose and Pastor Fernie preach. I was there. I was receiving it through Facebook Live, which is how we stream our service. It was great. But man, it can also be a disaster. See, because people only post their good stuff, don't they? I mean, nobody goes out there and posts up and puts a picture, right? Ladies, you don't put it like, this is what I look like in the morning. No. They go on there and this is like, you know, rise and grind is like full makeup, full hair, full thing. You didn't wake up like that. You got up seven hours ago to start doing your stuff in order to look that that's how you looked when you went to the gym. Stop lying. People are like, oh, man, here I am with my toes in the sand. And you're like, you're, you're watching it, and you're like, man, I don't get it. I, 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 I work just as hard. I do all the stuff. I never have time to go to the beach. I never have time to do this. I remember Patty talking to somebody a couple months ago and, and had seen something. He's like, man, I saw you at the beach. Are you having a great time? Are you on vacation? He's like, oh, no, that was fake. I haven't been to the beach in three years. But all my friends have been going, so I had to look up an old picture and post it up there. And so... Our looking at everyone else's frustrates us. Oh, how did they get to buy a house? Oh, why is it that they're having a significant other? Why is it that this is happening? Why is that happening? Oh, it's never going to happen to me. You're comparing yourself and you look at the potter and say, what are you doing? Look at Joe and what Joe is doing and it's awesome. And the potter's like, shut up, man. Let me work with you. Let me do in you what I want to do. Let me mold you, form you. But it's a process to be at the hands of the potter. Do you know that it's a process? My daughters were invited to a birthday party a couple months ago at a place called Color Me Mine. Okay? Color Me Mine. I don't know if there's more than one of them. This one was at Sunset. That's what it was called, right? Something like that. Whatever. It's a pottery place where people go to have parties and birthday parties and different things. And so here we are. The girls were invited. We all said they had this huge, long table. All the kids got to pick their piece of pottery that was there. It's made with something like this, right? They, they make these, the, these different uh, um, pots or, or, or different things. Uh, Alexandra got a cupcake. Abigail got a cupcake. Samantha got a little lion. And they're there, and they start painting their stuff, and they're painting it, and they're doing all the different things. And, you know, guess what? A- a- Abigail's, it-, it looks a little prettier. I mean, she-, she painted the whole top of the cupcake, and then she got a small brush to-, to paint specifically the sprinkles on the top of the cupcake so that it wouldn't bleed. And, and-, and she painted the, the-, the outside of-, of the bottom of the cupcake, and because she's eight and she understands a little more, she, she was like, I got to paint the inside. So when I take the top off, the inside is also painted it. She got it. She did it all. Alexandra, eh, she did okay. She she didn't do as well as Abigail, but she was holding her own and doing her things. Samantha, different ballgame. I think Samantha had more paint on mom and dad and on herself than on the lion, but it was all mixed. It was all over the place. It was all there. And guess what? All three of them made their, painted their things. You know what happens when you go to these places and you paint your stuff? You're not allowed to take it home can't take it home. See, you got to leave it behind because now it's got to sit for a few days to cure. And then they got to get it and put it in this massive hot oven with a glaze so that it will go ahead and transform. And out of the fire comes out this shiny, beautiful, painted piece 
of clay. And then you can get it. There was a process. There's an additional step of going through the fire. And some of us, we're understanding somewhat that we're God's handiwork. But we want to skip out on the fire phase. We don't want to be put in the oven. And after God molds the clay, it's got to go in the oven so that it can come out shiny and pretty and beautiful. And guess what? If you walk into my house right now, you may look at Samantha's lion and you're like, why do you all have that? Like you look at it and you're probably like, there must be a story there. Guess what? It is the work of my workmanship. And I'm proud of it. And when you see the work that God is doing in you and others, and that thing that you see right now as a test that is insurmountable, something that you don't know how you're going to get through, and is God using it to bring you out shiny and beautiful and saying, this is my handiwork. You can't buy it at Home Depot. You can't buy it in the corner. It is signed by the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And it's got value beyond measure. Why? Because of who made it. Going back to social media. Comparison. It's one of the worst things in ministry too. I, I, I talk with a lot of pastors, not just locally, but also from different parts of the country. As a matter of fact, this week, a friend of mine who, who's at a pastor, he's a pastor in Georgia. One of his pastors from the church was in Miami, and he texts me in the morning, hey, Miami, can we get together? I, I get together with almost weekly with different pastors, and we talk. And one of the things that I always talk about with anybody that I, that I, can, that I can get with is don't compare yourself to what other ministries are doing. Don't even look. I have a pastor friend of mine that's got a small church. He had just launched. They were about 20, 25, 30 people. So it was a small. And they were following this church on Instagram. And, and he kept seeing all the things that this church was doing. And it was like, oh, my God, this church is doing this. I need to try to do it. And they're doing that. And, 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 and he was getting frustrated. He didn't have the money to do it. He didn't have the people to do it. And it wasn't working. And finally, one day, he was actually in the city where this church was. And he went to visit it. And guess what? When he walked in, he found that it wasn't a little church. It was a mega church with millions of dollars in their budget, he's like, here I am meeting with 20 people at Tropical Park trying to do what this church with 2,000 people and $2 million in the bank is doing. Frustrated. God, you're not using me the same way. Well, I didn't call you to do what they're doing. I called you to do something else. So stop telling the potter how and what to make you and say, potter, do in me what you want to do. Mold me how you want to mold me. Work in me how you want to work in me. If you need to break me down to start again, break me down. But do what you want to do. So many times we get caught up. It reminds me of the story of the greedy triangle. Anybody ever read the greedy triangle? All the teachers are like, yeah, read it. Some of the people read. Here's the story. I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell, right? So this is triangle. And this triangle is there, and he sees a square. He's like, man, that guy's got one more side and one more angle. 
If I just had one more side and one more angle, I'd truly be happy. And magically, poof, he becomes a square. Now he's there, you know, going along, and he sees a pentagon. He's like, he's got five. If I had one more side, and he goes all the way through until he has so many sides and so many angles that he's almost a circle, and he begins to roll down a hill. And all of a sudden, he cries out, Oh, if I only had three sides and three angles, I wouldn't be rolling. And boof, he became a triangle again. And that's what happens in our life. We come to Christ. And we hear this. God is doing a work in you. And the work that he starts in you, he's going to finish. How many of you heard that before? I mean, I say it all the time. The work that he starts in you, he's going to finish. But then we see that he's doing something in someone else. And we're like, oh, but, but I want that too. Hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me try to be friends with them so I can get some of that anointing. It don't work that way. If you're not called to do that, you're not going to be able to do that. I love sports. I do. Especially anyone that I can use my hands in. I like football. I like softball. I like baseball. I like basketball. I'm, I, I can hold my own in most of them. Not soccer. It's not that I don't like it or whatever. It's just I, I don't have the coordination to run and kick it at the same time. It ain't there. I, I grew up using my hands to catch the ball, to throw the ball, to hold the bat. I, I, it's just different. My, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. She, she was like, yeah, I do. I am, I, I'm enjoying the sports stuff. She's like, yeah, but you, you, when you do soccer, you're not. Yeah, I was like, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate you keeping me humble. I can recognize that somebody can do that that I can't. You know what? I'm, I'm okay with it. Because their gifting is not my gifting. And guess what? My gifting is not their gifting. But if we all walk in our gifting, if we all do what we're supposed to do, you know which I think is another dumb invention? The spork. Y'all know what a spork is, right? The spoon that has little things. Have you ever tried to use a spork to get some soup and pinch yourself? Come on, be honest. When you were in elementary school and you had to use a spork and they gave you the fruit cup or something, a jello, something that's soft that you're supposed to eat with a spoon and you put it in and you forget it's not a spoon and boom, all of a sudden, ah, I got a sore. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to be the best of both. You can use me to pinch and you can use me to have soup. No, no, no. I made you a spoon. I made you a fork. But together, you can have a whole meal. And if we allow God to use us in what we're gifted in, if we stay in the hand of the potter, if we don't get out from his wheel, he will accomplish it. But too many times that like we talked about last week, we quit. Instead of waiting, we get out of the line instead of waiting. I mean, we're going through traffic and we see that there's this thing and, and, and you're like, oh man, if I go this way, I'm going to be able to avoid that. And you're doing all this stuff and you only go from one thing and you end up taking longer because you just got out of the place you were supposed to stay in. And sometimes I just hear people telling me, pastor, when's it going to be my turn? When's it going to happen for me? And I don't have the answer. All I have is this. If you stay in the hand of the potter at the right time and at the right temperature, 
you're going to come out. Because not every clay needs to be in the oven for the same amount of time. Not every clay is formed the same way. Not every clay is used for the same type of pot. But they all have a purpose. And every single one of you in this place has a purpose. Every single one of you in this place has a call of God upon your life. And your call, your gifting is unique. And he wants to use you. And he wants to propel you. But you got to stay in the hands of the potter and stop looking at the other works. You know the only thing you need to see or say when you see the other work that God has made? If you could do it with that clay, what's he going to do with me? Because, man, the grass is always greener on the other side. That saying is so true. But again, I only post what makes me look good. I only post what I think people want to see. I only post what I think people are going to be envious of. I only post, which why scrolling through all this stuff and keeping your eyes on it kills your confidence, kills your vision, kills your dream. I was talking, my wife and I were talking to somebody a few weeks ago who is super artistic, super creative. And they mentioned something about Pinterest and the person said, Pinterest is my enemy because the minute I see something, it squashes my creativity. And I want to replicate what the other person did. Man, that was so deep and so profound. Because so many times we are being squashed by a thing called comparison. Trying to live up to someone else. Those of you that have multiple children, they're not all the same. Don't compare them. Because when you compare them, you stifle them. You hurt them. They think they can never live up to the other one. They're each unique. They're each special. They're each individual because they're God's handiwork. I don't know who that's for because that's totally not in my notes. And I didn't talk about it in Spanish service. But recognize the uniqueness in your children and draw it out. Invest in them. Time. You know what we did with our daughters yesterday? We went to have lunch. They wanted to watch Star Wars. I don't own any of them, even though I've watched them. And so I started texting all the people in the men's chat. Anybody got the movies, this, that, whatever. And somebody's like, TNT's got it. I was like, well, we don't have cable anymore. But I went on the app, and guess what? We can watch them. So we picked it. We were like, well, let's start from the beginning. And we just laid down on the couch, put on episode one, just hung, stayed there. They're asking me questions that I don't know. <laughs> That's how it all started. We're having lunch. I was like, you know, in, in the Star Wars, when all the bugs get on the queen and they come with the lightsabers to do whatever, like, why did the bugs get on the queen? I was like, I don't even remember that part. Like, I, I don't know. I haven't seen Star Wars in a long time. But it's what they wanted to do. So we sat there and we watched it and we spent time. And my daughters, before going to bed, they're like, Dad, we want to leave with you to church in the morning. All right, no problem. Man, I, I put it on my Instagram this morning. I put a picture of them. I was in 
my playroom slash office because that's where our desk is. I'm in there. It's six in the morning, and I'm just going over my notes for today and rereading them and different stuff like that. And all of a sudden, Abigail walks in fully dressed for church. It's like, Dad, I'm ready to go to church. I'm like, I don't leave for an hour. And she's like, all right, so I just want to do the Bible reading with you. It's like, I did my Bible reading at 530. I'm just studying now. It's like, can I study too? It's like, yes, go. She comes, she gets her Bible, and she sits next to me on the floor. She's on the floor just doing her stuff. And and then I go, I'm like, all right, Abigail, you can use the desk. I'm going to go shower and get dressed. So I get out of the thing, and I go over there, and I see light on the other side of the house. And there's Alexandra, fully dressed. Dad, I'm ready to go. You're not leaving without me, right? I'm ready to go. And in my mind, I'm like, why don't you guys get up like this for school every day, man? In the morning, it's like. They both have an Alexa in their room. And I have a group, so in the morning, as I get up and I do my stuff, I, I turn on the, the app, and I'm like, Alexa, play the Wake Up song by Lisa Loeb in the girls' room. And it starts, everybody wake up, wake up, everybody wake up, and, and, and open your eyes, get out of bed. And I get there, and I'm still like, come on, wake up. If not, I'm going to throw a glass of water on you, you know? <laughs> Every day to be able to leave the house at 7. But for church? Because they got to spend time because we're just, they just want to be. It's a different story. Listen, it's not because I'm a better parent. Any of you that I've talked with as a parent, I, I've made my mistakes as a parent. But everyone in here that I've ever had any type of stuff with, I always say spend time with your kids individually, one-on-one. Build them up. Spend time with them. And guess what? Isn't it awesome that then they want to hang out with you and be with you? Let's flip it to our Heavenly Father. He has the bandwidth to spend time just with you. He has the desire to spend time with you, to talk with you, to listen to you. He knows your giftings because he put them in you. He knows your calling because he deposited in you. And like a wonderful craftsmanship or craftsman, potter, he can pull out what nobody else sees. Michelangelo is known to have walked by a statue, not a statue, but a block of marble. And people would say, what are you looking at? He's like, I see an angel. It's just my job to bring it out. And God sees you. And I challenge you, stay in the hands of the potter. Every morning say, Lord, what do you want to work in me today? Do you know that after a piece of pottery is molded and let sit for a couple days and put in the oven the first time, when it's brought out, they still need to sand it and pull off sharp edges and pull off different things and then be put it back in the fire and refire it again. Stop comparing and enjoy the part of the process that you're in. And every day say, God, mold me, use me. Those people that you have close with you in the walk with God, tell them, hey, if you see me just trying to do what everybody else is doing, Remind me that I'm unique. Pastor Larry Stocksville talks about somebody he went to seminary with. 
one of their teachers had really long hair. And when he would make an important point in the preaching, he would go like this and flip all his hair back. And some of the students that had no hair would preach and make a point and go like this because they were just mimicking, imitating, copying. So I challenge you, don't try to be and walk in the calling and gifting of someone else. You're not mass-produced. You're handcrafted. You're not mass-produced. You're handcrafted. So let's let the master potter do what he wants to do. Stay in the hands of the potter. Stay in the hands of the potter.